Good morning, y'all. Go ahead and grab a seat. As you can tell, I am not Matt Morton. Um, Like Dusty said, my name is Gavin Sledge, and I have the awesome opportunity to work here um, and be the youth minister here at Creekside. Um, And I think I have the best job ever. I'm coming on just on my third year, which is incredible and blows my mind. Um, So my job is I get to work with our seventh graders through our 12th graders. I get to work alongside those families. Um, and, and literally just get to live life with them, an incredible group of college leaders and young, lead, and young adults um, who are passionate about Jesus, who love the Lord and, and are passionate about his word and these students knowing who he is. And so I'm excited to join y'all today um, in this time. I think like Dusty alluded to, I think there's some pre-planning um, and getting me here on daylight savings time because I'm really used to my crowd falling asleep on me already. Like you won't distract me as you nod off because of the daylight savings time. Like these youth kids, I'll just, I have this little like flashlight thing. I'll just shoot in your eyes and we'll get right back on board. Um, it's gonna be really great. Uh, but I am excited. Um, and we're gonna be walking through the scriptures and we're walking through Proverbs and, and jumping around a little bit. Um, but I'm bringing you into a series that we've been walking through as a youth ministry. Um, a series called Why Not Us? Right, as we talk about and we start this series and talking about, man, God has incredible plans for each and every single one of you. That God has done a great thing for you and desires greatness, right? And first and foremost, he, He's done great things by, by bringing you into a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, right? An incredible miracle that, that we were dead in our trespasses, but now we are alive again. Right? We are brought into a great thing, but then God also gives us great opportunities here on earth until eternity to do a great thing, to, to raise up his church, to proclaim the name of Jesus to all nations. Right? And just as I prayed, and we'll continue to do that until every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. Right? So we've been walking through this series of, man, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your gender, your race, whatever, that God desires to use you for greatness. And has a plan for each and every single one of y'all. Right? But, but in this plan, and the reality is that often as we can get distracted, often that we can get uh, just pulled away from this race, that the enemy wants nothing more than, that, that though he can't remove our salvation, that we are secure if we put our faith in Jesus for eternity. Right? But he wants to pull us away from that race. He wants to put us in the crowd. He wants to send us in, just out of the stadium altogether. He wants to distract us. He wants to divide us. Ultimately, he wants to destroy us. And so we've been talking about the ways, man, that we get pulled away from this mission that we are called to, to love God with all our mind, heart, heart, soul, strength, but also to go and make disciples, right? And so what have been some things that that pull us away? And so we talked about, man, apathy, that that sometimes our self can get in the way, the relationships and the people we surround ourselves, because we are all prone to peer pressure. It doesn't matter how old you are, you are affected by the people you surround yourselves with. Right? We've talked about anxieties and fears and lacks of trust. We've talked about distractions and temptations. Right? But what, to, what we're going to talk about today is ultimately the plan and the idea that, that oftentimes we cannot, or we can hold on to our plan and put that over the Lord's plan for our lives. That whether it's fears, insecurities, doubts, lack of trust, or just pure satisfaction, whatever our plan is, that we can choose to put our plan over the plan of the Lord. And so we're going to walk through scriptures. We're going to see the dangers of that. And then ultimately, we're going to be able to proclaim that, man, our God is better than these things, that our God's, based on his character and his word and his promises, his plan is better than anything we could desire. All right, so I'm really excited to walk through this with you all. Um, some, this Thanksgiving, I got to go on a really cool trip with one of my roommates and a couple of my buddies. 
um, to Japan, to Tokyo, Japan for Thanksgiving. It's where I got to celebrate Thanksgiving. I talked about it in my last sermon because I was jet lagged and just actually came back. Um, but today, and one thing we've been talking about is specific with our youth ministry is that commitment is costly. Right, an idea I want you all to think through, that commitment is costly, that commitment requires sacrifice, that there's something we have to lay down oftentimes, but oftentimes in that commitment, the reward is great. All right, so this is a picture, and this, the projector and my phone and many factors don't even do this picture justice of the scene that I got to see. Um, but on one of our days when we were in Japan, we decided, hey, we're going to go hike a mountain, right? We're going to get out of the chaos of Tokyo and all the shops and all the people, and we're going to go just walk up this mountain and just see it, right? So the four of us, we jumped on a train, and we rode out of Tokyo and got to this mountain, into this beautiful village, and I could try to say the name of it, but honestly, I forgot, and even if I tried, I'd butcher it, and y'all would all just laugh at me. So we're not going to. Instead, we went to this beautiful village, um, and we got to walk up this mountain, right? And so there, the, most of the path was, it was paved, and there were stairs, right? Beautiful trees and beautiful sights. And as we continued to walk up, there was a lot of people walking around there. Um, it was crowded. There was like these like 90-year-old Japanese grandmas that just power walked past us. Like we're like just like hauling and like struggling to breathe. And they're just like, all right, see you later. And they're just going, right? I think they lapped us multiple times around this mountain in the, in the two hours you're there, right? But the, most of the path was, it was paved and it was easy. There were shops and, and like souvenirs and then good Japanese snack foods that you don't really know what you're eating, but it tastes good. So you're just going to keep trying it and see what happens. But at one point in this trip, we got to a fork in the road, right? And it was really easy to miss. Um, and honestly, we almost did, but there's this little sign and you could just see that there's two different paths. And one was up the same path we were going. It was up that nice paved path that there was people walking that way, and they were excited and happy. So it seems, I don't really know what they were saying, but they seemed excited and happy. And they were walking, and there were snacks and all those things. And the other path was a little different. Um, it just kind of dropped, and it was just really muddy, and it was into the forest, it was into the woods. But on the sign that was kind of broken, it just said waterfall on this path. Right? They both got to the same destination. They ultimately both came to the summit of the mountain, the top. But one said waterfall, and so we're like, ah, oh, waterfall? That sounds cool. Probably like a little, like we were looking at the picture, it's like, man, 10-minute detour. Like, this is easy. We're just going to walk around, see this really cool waterfall, come back, get our snacks, and go back up to the top of the mountain. That was not the case at all. We wandered in these really creepy woods, the fog. Like, if you've seen horror movies, this is the scene we were in. It's like, we don't speak the language. We don't know anyone by us. There was no one there. It was just the four of us. And we wandered and we wandered. It had been raining all week, and there was roots everywhere, so we were tripping, and we were slipping. Also, a confession that I'm just going to let you all into my life. Um, I only packed one pair of pants the whole week because I just forgot the rest. Those pants were muddy. I took a step, and they ripped. Like, it was just rough, right? But we kept walking, and kept walking, and we got a little grumpy with each other, and we were aggravated, and we walked for, like, hours. We're like, dude, I don't even know where we're at anymore. Like, we could have already walked, like, Thailand. I know we got to like jump some water, but I don't know where we're at. Like this doesn't make sense. And I didn't get a picture of it, but then we got to this bridge and a waterfall overlooking it. And there's just beauty and the openness of everything. And it was so tranquil and it was so peaceful. And we got to be there just us four and got to soak it all in. Right. I didn't take a picture of it because I just wanted to be in that moment. And it made everything worth it. Right, and so we kept walking up to the top of the mountain, and we got there, we ate some ramen, and then there was just cats everywhere, but they were good cats. They were friendly cats. I don't know what they're doing in Japan, but they've got it figured out. 
right? So these cats were like coming there, they like steal your sushi and run off and like petting these cats. And it was just, man, like we just got to ex- receive the whole moment and live it all in. And then we went back down the other path and it was still, it was crowded, it was busy. And we got to the bottom, we were like, man, we, we got to gain so much. Though that path was harder, though it was unwalked, we gained so much through the experience. And we ended up at the destination, but we gained more than we would have gained from just going the easy path and going the easy route. Right, so we're going to be talking a little about these paths. And, I, and the reality is that every day, we each have an opportunity to choose what path we want to walk through. We either choose to, 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 to chase after our own desires, our own life, and our own whatever satisfactions and, and successes we place and walk our path, or we can learn to walk with the Lord. We can learn to trust his way and his plan because of the character who he is. Um, and oftentimes, these can be hard to see the difference of. Um, so we're going to be walking through Proverbs, and we're going to see just the dangers of what it looks like when we place our path or our way over God's way. Right, and I don't think any of us would ever say, man, I think my way is better than God's way. Right, no one is probably walking in here if you're coming to church right before spring break on daylight savings is saying, man, my, God way, my way is better than God's way because I know better. Right, but I think if we really evaluate our heart, if we really see, man, what are we placing our time in? What are we investing in? What are we chasing after? That ultimately we can see, man, we are just chasing after what I want apart from what the Lord is. Man, I'm holding this thing away from God, and I'm, I'm having a hard part, God, giving you my whole heart. You can have most of it, 95% of it, but this five, man, I'm keeping for me because I'm afraid of what you're going to do with it, or I'm afraid to lose it, or man, I just really love it in this moment. Right, but we're going to walk through, and we're going to see just the dangers of what that can be. So if you have your Bible, we're in Proverbs 11, we're going to be talking about two different paths, and Solomon does a great job at basically doing my sermon for me because um, he's the wisest man ever, so preach what Solomon preaches, right? But he talks about this path. He talks about the path of the righteous, right? Those who walk in righteousness versus those who walk and those who are the wicked, right? If you have put your faith in, in Jesus, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have been made right with God for eternity. That is secure. Nothing will change that. However, daily we have the opportunity, in every decision we make, we have the opportunity to either choose to walk with the Lord in his righteousness or choose to walk by our own ways and our own paths, by our own desires. All right, so we're going to be walking and talking through those different things. So Proverbs 11, verses 5 through 8. If you'll follow along, it's also going to be on the screen. The word says this. It says, the righteousness of the blameless, he keeps his way straight. But the wicked falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lusts. When the wicked dies, his hopes will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. The righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked walks into it instead. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity just to gather, to study your word, to worship. Lord, I pray and I ask you to enter into this time. Spirit, that you stir up within us, Lord. What, what are we holding back, Lord? What are we just, just so white-knuckled tied onto, God, that we're afraid to give to you, that, that we just place above you that desire to find this one thing, Lord, whether it's desires, whether it's hopes, whether it's fears or, or questions, or whatever it be, 
God, I pray today that, Lord, that you help us release those things, God. That the truth of who you are, the truth of your character, of your plan, helps us release those things and lay those down at the feet of the cross. That, Jesus, it's not because of my words that anything happens here today, but, God, it's because your word is powerful. Lord, because you are powerful. And, Spirit, because you move. move. And so, Lord, I ask you to do that. Lord, remove fears, remove doubts, Lord, and fill it with your truth of who you are. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was thinking through this, I like to, to, to think through either my audience or our students. And so I was thinking through, what are some reasons for why we may place our way above God's way? Once again, I don't think we're ever saying that directly. But I think subconsciously that there, there, there's, there's excuses and there's reasons. And so some of those are, I just don't know how. I don't know how to, to follow God's plan. I don't know what that fully looks like, and I've never learned. And I don't know how, and so I'm just not going to all the way. Right? Or, man, that just sounds way too hard. Man, that is a big book, and God says a lot of things, and that sounds really difficult. And I'm, I'm kind of okay just doing this way. Right, or I just don't trust it. I don't fully trust that God's plan is good. Or I don't fully trust God with this certain deal of my life. And, and, and man, what if he makes me sacrifice something? What if he makes me lay down something that I've chased after my whole life? What if he completely changes my plan and my path? There's, that's scary. And I just don't fully trust that that is good. I know what's best for me. Or I know what's best for my family. And therefore, I'm going to chase after this. Another one I think specifically with students that, that runs into is, oh, maybe I'll do that later. Like later in life when I'm older. Maybe once I get to college, I'm just going to live my best life right here in middle school and high school. Like life doesn't really matter that much. There's not many consequences. I'm going to live it up. Right? Or maybe once I get out of college and then I'm a real adult, then I'll do that. All right? Or maybe for some of us who are out of college, it's, oh, man, this season of life is just really hard and really busy. And just devoting my whole life to the Lord is... Let me just get out of this one season. Or work is just busy, right? And the excuses and the reasons just keep coming and coming and coming. Or the other one, and I think the one I've fallen into oftentimes, is I just like it my way. That I know what I want, and that's what I'm going to go after. That my desires are going to direct me. My emotions or my feelings or my truth is what's going to direct me in that path. And so regardless of whatever our reason is, and though we're not saying it clearly, we're stating that, man, we believe somewhere in our heart that my way is better than God's way. That my plan is better than God's plan. But ultimately, I think as, as Solomon says here, and as, as the proverb goes on to say, is, is that our way is not. That our way does nothing but leads to destruction. That if, if I chase after Gavin's plans and desires, that that led me nothing towards nothing but destruction. Right, and Solomon goes on to say this and, and does it often, um, but specifically in verse 6. I'll start in 5 real quick. It says, The righteousness of the blameless, he keeps his way straight, but the wickedness, or but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. And the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous, or sorry, we'll come back to that one. Right, and so ultimately, the, the, what, what Solomon is saying is, man, is you walk in righteousness, as those who walk in righteousness, they are kept upright, but those who, who walk as the wicked, those who walk away from the Lord, are led to destruction. And the first way the psalmist says that is this, and it's in verse 6. He says, The righteousness of the upright delivers them. But the treacherous, or the wicked, are taken captive by their lusts. 
So as we continue to live outside of God's plan, as we continue to live outside of what God has called us to and the things he's directed of us, is that we ultimately give our hearts and give our souls away to our desires. Is that we make desires and we make our emotions and our feelings and our satisfactions our God's. Right? Jesus says this often. He says, you cannot serve two masters. And if you are not serving the Lord, you are serving something else. And that's just the truth. You are serving the world, or you're serving yourself, or you're serving a relationship or a feeling. But ultimately, something has captured your heart. Right? What Solomon says is, is that those who walk away from the Lord are becoming slaves to those things. Because it never satisfies, and so we go deeper. And that wasn't enough, so I need more. Right? Just follow the patterns of addiction. And it's clearly seen that the man's sin never fills. My plan never satisfies. That I need more and more and more, and I'm ultimately a slave to those desires. I've chosen those to be the way and the direction of my life, and whatever it be. Right? And these things aren't bad, but that word lust is important, right? We use it a lot, specifically with guy ministry, but the word lust in this biblical term is just a good desire that God has made that we've perverted or that we've changed or distorted for self-satisfaction. That something that was made to glorify God, whether it's love or success or whatever it be, is something that we've changed to glorify ourselves. Through self-satisfaction, through self-promoting, through self-perseverance, whatever it be, those lusts are good things that we've turned really bad. Right? And so like I said, it could be love. Love is a good thing. God is love. Right? Those are truths. But, but love is supposed to be sacrificial. It's supposed to be about making you better. But instead, love, when distorted by our lust, can be about, all about what I gain from this relationship. It's about taking. It's about stealing what is yours and, and using it for my satisfaction. It can be success. Once again, not a bad thing, but when that becomes our, our true desire and our only desire, that, that we will gain power at any cost. Whether it's compromise, whether it's cutting someone down, whatever it means for me to gain that status and that power and that success. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you're idolizing the popularity or being known or that status or, or your value and all you're chasing after is more likes or more followers or whatever these, these things are that you become a slave to these desires or money. All right. The, once again, money is not evil. But as we only desire that and we, we just take and we hoard and we, we, we pull away from the opportunity that God has called us to be generous people and it's all about what I have and my belongings and my greed. Once again, none of those things are evil, but outside of the Lord, they make horrible gods. And they only just lead us more and more into captivity, more and more into slavery of our desires. And God has freed us from those things. Jesus has died so we can no longer be slaves to those things. So God wants us out of those, and that's why he calls us out of those things. And, and he gives us his, his, his way to walk in those things, right? So that we can be slaves of righteousness, because in that comes life, and life abundant, Right, and the second way that Solomon, the second way, the thing that, that Solomon describes the difference between is in verse 7. It says this, it says, When the wicked dies, his hopes will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. That ultimately, as we continue to walk in our ways and we continue to chase our path over God's path, is that we are putting our hopes 
and something that will perish. Right? And I'm, I'm not saying that, that as believers we are called and we, have, and we are, put our hopes in Jesus. Right? And Jesus never perishes. He's eternal. But our hopes and our confidence can easily become put into something that is just temporary, something that perishes just like everything else. And those become empty. And we strive for the big thing that we hope will fill us and complete us. But it never gives what it promises. Right? For me, an easy way for me to verbalize this in my head is, is to think about what, what things do I think that if I chase after, they will make me happier? Maybe it's that next job promotion. Maybe it's that next title or some recognition from Dusty. Right? And I love Dusty, but his words are just words in relation to what my God declares of me. Right? Or, or, or maybe it's this next relationship or, or whatever is next, and maybe that is my hope and my fullness. That's the only thing I'm chasing after. Or maybe it's that next car or whatever it be, the X amount of money. Or maybe it's just my, if my kid gets onto this team, then I will find that full satisfaction and I will be full and complete. The unfortunate truth about all those things is those are all temporary. That those never fully satisfy and, and ultimately just like the wealth of the wicked, that those two will perish and die. Those things are not promised Right, some of y'all, hopefully most of y'all, might know a guy named Tom Brady, one of the most winningest quarterbacks. He's not my favorite quarterback. Go, go, Pat, go. But one of the most famous quarterbacks in the world. Right, in an interview in 2005, he had just come off his third Super Bowl win, three Super Bowl rings, one of the greatest quarterbacks. And he was in this interview, and he was talking about, he's like, man, I have ran after the things, and I've worked hard, and my team has made it, and we are the best in the world once again. But then he goes on to say this. He said, but there's got to be more than this. He said, I've done all these things, and I've achieved the success, the success, and yet I still feel like it's not enough. And he goes on to win so many more. But, but I think that, that truth of man, there's got to be more than this. And he says, I don't know if it's a God. I don't know what it is. But there's got to be more than this, this thing. This thing I've chased and worked my whole life for. The thing that I put my hope in. And he got it. It was left empty. Right? One of the, the highest risks for depression and suicide groups is um, those who've won gold medals. Right, Olympians who've spent their whole life working towards a goal, I mean, from childhood, like are doing like backflips and like training for gymnastics and then become literally the best in the world, right, are at risk for depression because once they finally reach this thing, they realize, man, it's just a medal and people are going to forget about it and they're going to move on. Once again, that medal's not bad and that work is not bad, but when that became their only hope and their only confidence, it just came up void and it came up empty. That as we walk in our own ways, as we chase our own desires and our own hopes, that ultimately those things will die. And the last one coming in verse 8 is this. It says, the righteous, they're delivered from troubles, but the wicked, they walk into them instead. That as we chase our own paths, not only will we become slaves to our desires, not only do our hopes perish, but ultimately our life will be troubled. It will be chaotic. It'll be similar to what I imagine elementary school is every morning, right? That, that is out, so that is, it's incredible. Winnie does an incredible job. But for, for me, it's like, man, there's so many voices, so many little kids, and that's just not my comfort zone. I'm going to be honest. 
right? Put me with the older kids, and that's better, but, but it's this idea of, man, chaos, lack of peace, lack of harmony, troubles, that our life on our own will bring troubles, and it'll bring chaos, and it'll bring peace. And we're going to talk about later that the following God does bring its own troubles, but the reality of this one is, is, is this one this way is not filled with joy, that there's no promise of hope, that all of our hope has been put in circumstantial things, our happiness is in circumstantial things as we walk in our own way. So pain will come, right? I think it's the, the reason we have such high depression rates and, and loneliness, and we're one of the most connected generations ever, but yet we are one of the highest lonely generations as well, and all these things, right? And ultimately, it all comes down to is our, is our ways an empty path. That though it looks easy, though it looks comfortable, though it looks satisfying to the eye, that as we walk on it more and more, it just continues to come up empty and void. That ultimately leads us to destruction. Because it's lacking purpose. It's lacking joy. It's lacking peace and hope. That ultimately it's lacking love and confidence in a good creator who's for us and is with us. All right, so what? So what do we do with that? If we're able to see that, man, my way leads to destruction, and I just end the sermon there, that'd be a big downer, right? See you next week. Have a great spring break. Like, have fun, right? But the great thing is, man, that's not where the story ends. This Solomon warns us from this way because ultimately he wants to open our eyes to something way better. That even as you see in that verse, there's a difference between those who walk in the wicked and those who walk in the righteous, because he's walked with the Lord, right? And so why? So why follows God's way? Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Ultimately, why follow God's ways? Because his way is better. Right, the first time I read this verse, and oftentimes I can still come back to this verse and I can be frustrated. It's like, man, God, I want to know what you're thinking. God, I want to know your plan. I want to understand you fully. I'm going to seminary and I've spent all this time studying, and yet you still say, Gavin, you don't even got a clue fully to my thoughts. You know, and I can sit there frustrated and angry because I want to know and I want control. But the more and more I understand this verse, the more and more I trust and know the character who my God is, the more I know, man, this verse just shows that my God is way better. Because my God is not limited by my little brain. My God is not limited by my logic or my circumstances or my experiences. My God is bigger than all those things. That he knows my path, he knows my life, he knows my desires and my heart, and he's not limited by time. And therefore, I can trust that his way is better because of who my God is. Because his thoughts are better than my thoughts. And his ways are ultimately better than my ways. And so as we continue to walk with the Lord, we can trust that his way is better. And then also we can trust that his way is good. Romans 8, 28 says this. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. Right, and this is important. That word good is really, really important because what it doesn't say is, man, if you walk with God, things will be easy. What it doesn't say is if you walk with God, those things will be comfortable. Also, that good doesn't say Gavin's good. It ultimately says what a good creator's good is. 
Right? That all things will work together for good. That's how God defines good. And we already know his way is better because his thoughts are better than mine. That he's ultimately in control and he's sovereign. And if he works all things for good, then we can put trust that he knows all things and he will work all things. Right? For good. Right? So that this has been a big one. This has been a hard verse for me also to learn. Um, through different difficulties in my life, learning that, man, how, God, have you made this thing good? How have you worked this thing good? And sometimes it's not on our timeline. Sometimes we don't see it this side of heaven of how God redeems. Um, one way I got to see it is my senior year of, of high school, my parents got divorced, right? And, and that one thing that was always consistent in my life, the family, was therefore ripped out. And I wasn't a believer, and so I chased after the world, and I just tried to find satisfaction in the world and all these things, and I walked that path of the wicked for a long time until I had some faithful friends in college through the core who invited me to Grace Bible Church. And I got to sit down and study the word from Matt Morton in college service, and I got to learn who God actually is. And I got to read and understand the story of Scripture and the story of redemption of forgiveness and love that Jesus said that I am worth dying for. And he gave me hope and he gave me purpose again. Right, and through that I got to come to Christ and my life was dramatically changed. And then through that time and continue to study the word and get to learn from incredible people, I got to go back to my family and I got to share this news with, with my mom who was wrestling with her own doubts and her own struggles and her own shames because of everything that had gone on. I got to share the grace of Jesus. And you got to see her come to Christ and her eternity change forever. Right? And now as a minister in the job I get to do is I get to walk through students who are also going through those difficulties or families who are also wrestling with these same things. Not because I'm great, but because my God is good. Because my God and my Jesus takes brokenness and he takes evil and he thinks and he takes things that, that man intends for evil and he redeems them and he uses them for good. That doesn't mean they're always comfortable. It doesn't mean that I might understand it. It means that my Jesus redeems because my God is good and he works things out because he's in control. Not because of me, because of who he is. And lastly, in comparison, we talked about, man, our path and our way leads us to destruction because our hearts become captives to our lusts, because our hopes die, and ultimately because we walk into troubles. Right? But as we learn to walk with God, we learn that his way is better. We learn that his way is good. And we learn that his way provides peace and it provides joy. Paul says this, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Right, as we continue to, to believe and walk with God, that we continue to be filled with joy and filled with peace. And this is better than happiness. This is better than comforts because those things are all temporal. Those things are all feelings. These are promises. Right? Amidst the chaos and pain of the world, that, 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 that these are not circumstantial on those things, that these are completely dependent upon who my God is and the work that he's done and how life in him is. Right, so amidst the chaos and the pain of this world, I can find peace because I know my God is with me. And I know my God is for me. And I know he gives us hope and he never leaves us. And he will use these things and is with us these things. And his word stays true. So that ultimately, once again, though the path might be hard and though life is difficult, and I understand that and I know that, our God is with us. And he's for us. And as we continue to learn to trust in who he is and his character and his word, we can find these, this peace and this joy that all of our hearts desire.
and we all look for. Right? So as we look at these two different ways and we look at these two different worlds, man, chasing my path or chasing my desires or whatever these things that leads us to destruction. And we see the beauty of following Jesus. We see the beauty of abiding in his word. I want to give you all a few applications. Right? So how? How do we do this? I think it's this word seek. It's been a word I've been learning a lot about. Jesus says this. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Right, and the idea of seek, if you ever played hide and seek, which I'm sure we all have, it's an active verb. It, it means going, it means looking for, it means chasing. Even when you might not know where it is, it means just going towards it that way. As we sometimes, we can come up with excuses like, I don't know how, we'll start taking the steps. Follow someone else, learn, learn from somebody else, or, or just look and continue to find the face of Jesus. And as we continue to seek him, I'm going to give us three words, three things to seek. Right, the first one is seek him. Right, so don't just meet with Jesus periodically, but truly seek him. Dive deep into knowing him. Give him time. Give him your trust. Give him your talents. Give him your treasures. Just as you would with any relationship that is meaningful to you, whether it's your wife, your husband, someone you're dating, you invest into that thing. And the more you get to know them, and the more the love grows, that we need to seek the Lord, that we choose to Jesus daily, that we invest in that time, that we commit. And if you don't know how, ask for help. That's been the biggest thing for me, and I'll talk about that a little bit as well. Right, and the next one is, is seek righteousness. That we have to learn to hate sin. Because once again, the enemy wants nothing more than to pull us away from this path. He wants nothing more than to lead us into destruction. Right, and we're always going to be attracted to sin. But we must learn to put our love of God over our love of self. And when we fail, because we will, that we learn to confess it, we learn to ask forgiveness for forgiveness. We learn to restore relationships and make amends. And then we walk back on that path. And we seek righteousness. Not so God can love us, but because God already does. That we get to enter into that presence because of the work of Jesus. That even in our weakest moments, even in our greatest sin, that Jesus still decided to die for us. Right, and lastly, is this, is we learn to seek his word. Because the world is throwing nothing but lies at us. And there's so many different pools of the world and emotions and feelings and thoughts. As we learn to align it more with the word of God that is active and living and sharper than any two-edged sword, that our hearts become to transform because our mind is renewed. And God speaks with us and teaches us things that we didn't know about him or we didn't know about ourselves and we can start to rid ourselves of the lies and the desires of our heart and those things begin to silence because the shimmer of who Jesus is is so much brighter and so much greater. So is it easy? No. But is it worth it? Absolutely. It's life-changing. It's, it's purpose-fulfilling. It changes eternities, not just for you, but for other people. As you begin to walk with God, you radiate Jesus, and people need that in our life. We need that love, and we need that hope. It's what God made us for and what God calls us to. And with that, I want to share a story of, of a guy that, who, who lived this life of righteousness and changed my life forever. Who walked with the Lord, who knew the Lord deeply. Even in his hardest and darkest moments, he knew God and he trusted God and he loved God. Um, his name was Chance, right? And so the thing was Chance, before I got to know Chance, is Chance had, had, had brain cancer um, and was going through two years, almost two years, of brain cancer and didn't get to really interact with many people and had to go through chemo and radiation. I got to meet Chance um, 
about, he was probably like five, five months in remission. He was, man, the results were good and the signs were good. Um, and I remember just getting to talk with Chance and, and everyone who encountered Chance during that time, um, their life was changed. They, they just saw his joy and they saw the love he shared and they saw his deepness of his faith. That even if you had a small chance with him or a small time with him, that your life was just, it was brought brighter because of his deep love for the Lord. Right, and so the, the special thing about Chance is, um, is I got to meet him at a really special time, that God put him in my life as a complete blessing. Um, it was a time where I was going through a lot of personal doubts and a time where I was going through my own insecurities or fears, and I was walking through my own stuff, that I got to meet Chance, and I got to just hear about his journey and his path and the difficulties that he faced. And I got to hear about his love, of who he knew God to be even in these hard times, and how he continued to walk with the Lord and radiate Jesus. Right, and so I got to meet Chance when I actually was, I was his Pine Cove counselor. Um, he's in the bottom right corner. He's in that bright neon green shirt with the blue and armor. Um, and that was his smile all the time. Um, here's another picture with him. He was just, just radiant joy. And one of the nicest kids I got to meet during that summer. Um, every counselor who got to interact with him through their activity class just knew he was like, man, Chance really couldn't go mountain biking because it was just really rigorous on his body, but he just sat with us and he talked with us and he laughed with us and he just brought joy into our life and he shared his story and he shared even in those dark moments as he was still wrestling with a lot of things that like, my God is good. He continued just to share that, that my God is good. Right, we had a really hard cabin. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of discipline. We picked up a lot of rocks as discipline. But Chance continued just to unite us. And by the end of the week, man, we just championed him because he was for each one of us. Right? His light just brightened up everyone's day. I remember distinctly one afternoon, I got the opportunity to kind of, we try to eat, meet person with each one of our counselors to hear, the, or sorry, each one of our um, campers to hear their story, just talk to them about their faith and answer questions. And so I remember during um, one of our, just like our breaks, getting to sit outside with Chance, um, just on the balcony of our cabin, and we were eating our snacks and just talking um, and laughing a lot. And I just remember him, I just kind of talked to him, like, man, tell me what you think about God. You know, I was just really curious. A kid who'd just come out of two years, hadn't been in school, because he'd been fighting this cancer. He started at 11 or 12. How, how can you see God in that? He just said, man, God's been really good to me. I love God. I know he's for me. He's with me in all these things. And I just know God is good. So simple. But the depth of that just changed everything. Right? Just continue to remember, man, Chance just said, man, God is good. Um, so that fall, I went back to A&M. And I remember getting a phone call. And I remember distinctly where I am. And if you've spent any time with me, you remember. Or you might know that I don't remember a lot of things. But I remember this. I remember I was on the quad. I remember sitting on the ramp, and I remember talking to my camp director, and he told me, hey, Nutella, Chance just passed away. The cancer came back, and he's with Jesus now. He's away from that pain. He's away from that hurt. And I remember going to his funeral. You know, here I'm a 22-year-old guy, sitting at a funeral of a 13-year-old kid. Roles reversed. I don't think I've ever cried more in my life in the parking lot at that time. But as I sat there in my car, just weeping, as the world lost a beautiful angel, I just remember, and I just was reminded, man, he just, got Nutella, God is so good. My life was changed because of a 13-year-old's faithfulness. 
and knowledge and trust that God is good. Even his darkest moments and his hardest moments, he chose to walk with the Lord and change everything. It's a big reason why I'm here today. Right, so as we can continue to tra- transition to this time, I'm going to invite the band up. But before that, I wanted to move into just a time of reflection, just a couple minutes, just for us to reflect, where in my life am I chasing my own desires? Where in my life am I putting my pleasures or my satisfactions over yours, God? What am I holding on so tightly that's keeping me from walking in your ways? Lord, where don't I trust you? Where do I believe that you are not ultimately good or for me? Right, I'm going I'm to pray for us, and I'm just going to give you a couple minutes on your own just to sit and to think, to wrestle with those things, to pray with those things, to maybe journal about them. And then we're going to respond in one of the ways I know best is just to declare the truth of who God is. In our moments of darkness and in our moments of doubts, declaring the truth of who God is declares that, man, these things are not truth, but this is. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to give us a couple minutes, and then Kenny's going to catch us and lead us in a time of worship. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. Lord, for this time, for this opportunity just to gather. Lord, to study your word, God, to be reminded, God, that you are good. You're for us, Lord, that you've, you've taken us away from death and from evil and from our own wicked ways, God, and you've delivered us into your family. Lord, that you love us and you call us your own. God, that we are secure in our salvation we've put our faith in you, Jesus that we get to spend eternity with you. But Lord, we recognize that daily we make decisions to either put ourselves above you, Lord, or to walk in your ways. So God, I pray for this time. I pray, Spirit, that you move in each and every single one of us, Lord, that you stir up ways that we are placing ourselves or our desires or our hopes above what you declare and who you've called us to be. God, and don't let those things push us into shame, into isolation, but Jesus, instead, let us run to you and to your cross and to lay those things down. Because God, you desire all of us, our full hearts, because that's what we were made for, to be in the presence of the Father. So Lord, be with us in this time. Let this reflection time just be, be profitable, Lord, and then let us declare, God, that you will forever reign and we surrender those things to you.